0: Hey, it's is P. Martini. I'm listening to Our Brains Hurt, losers. And uh, they didn't pay me hardly any money to say that, virtually speaking. If uh, I have any trouble with any of them, you'll probably find one of them, you know, when you go fishing, okay? So keep that in mind. I'm out, losers.
1: Welcome to another episode of Our Brains Hurt with Ron and Matt. Thanks for hanging out. All right. So our guest for this episode is the personal assistant for the one and only Mr. Sleazy P Martini, manager of one of my favorite bands of all time, Guar. This is uh, Don Draculich. Don, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome Good to be here. You're a Virginia person, right? You live in Virginia, right? Yeah, I'm up in Maryland, but Matt is a yeah. Fredericksburg, Virginia
2: guy. Yeah, I'm not too far north of you. Yeah, are you still in Richmond? Yeah. Cool. I mean,
0: Chesterfield County now. Okay. Yeah, yeah R- Richmond enough. Close enough.
1: Yeah, so Matt and I both uh, play in punk bands, and we started this podcast a couple months ago. And Guar has come up so many times because I've seen – I personally have seen Guar more than any other band. You know, I had a friend at high school who was a metal fan, and he – would bring me to a couple of Guar shows and I just got hooked. So can, can you give us a, like a, a bit of your background, like your art background and your film backgrounds and talk to the days of uh, the Richmond dairy moving into that place and kind of how everything kind of started with Guar.
0: Well, um, I grew up in Northern Virginia, um, and, um, did remarkably bad in high school. So, uh, what what part of Northern Virginia, McLean?
2: Ah, oh, okay, I, CIA. <laughs> I grew up in Herndon, so that's actually not not too far.
0: Yeah, I uh, decided to go to art school, uh, and uh, <laughs> so I went to VC. Decided to go to VCU, it was in state, and it was you know was the only art school of renown really in the state. I studied painting, printmaking, and got through my four years, um, and then I did that kind of like. Well, what do I do now? And um, became a college town guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the people that doesn't leave, and uh, <laughs> you know, I lost a couple of jobs. And to save money, I'm I moved into the dairy. I I'd already been to the dairy because uh, some friends that I had when I worked at um, when I worked at uh, appliance delivery place were already collaborating with Hunter Jackson. And uh, Hunter Jackson had a studio in a place called the Dairy. It's known as the Dairy or the Milk Bottle. Also, Um, we had large milk bottle shaped uh, parts of the building. So, uh, once I was there, I was able. I started putting more full time, more time into the um, into the band or into the project, and essentially just stayed with it. You know, um, since I was there full time, I was able to put lots of time into the, into the band. And then when it all moved out, well, before it moved out, finally it gotten, the dairy was closed down piecemeal. And, uh, the, the leasers were thrown out basically one at a time. So I, I was one of the last people to get thrown out. So, uh, the whole, the whole band's production had been, um, just basically forced into my my studio apartment. Well, I wouldn't call it an apartment, but studio. And um, and so after that, I just you know I just stayed with it, and um, always thought it was going to make me rich. <laughs> thought it was you know an, a a no miss uh, you know concept, and um, but I, and I loved it too, so stayed with it.
1: What went into the creation of the band? Like how did Guar go from a concept to you know the the production that we see on a reg on you know from the nineties or whatever?
0: Um well uh initially it was a film project that Hunter Jackson was trying to do. It was called he was gonna call it Scum Dogs of the Universe. And what he had in mind was Star Wars Meets Road Warrior on a low budget. He was very disappointed in in the whole Star Wars trilogy, but especially the last one. Right. Which uh I think in particular helped inspire, you know, his answer to that. Uh a band called Death Piggy also has studio there in the dairy and and they they saw the costumes and thought, Hey, why why aren't you let us wear these costumes on stage? We'll open for ourselves, you know, and Dave Brocky and um and guys like uh, I think Chris Bopes and whatnot, they Tim Herman came up with this name Guar as it turned out the the movie project was too complex too expensive too difficult and um, the people that were helping uh, Hunter Jackson kind of lost interest because they saw something that was more immediate getting feedback with more fun um, with the whole band thing and uh, once the band once a a a Guar proper, proper Guar played its own band, not Death Pee, but its own band played uh, in, I guess it was October, November 86 at, at PB Kelly's. After that, it just kept snowballing, and uh, Hunter Jackson kind of lost control you know, I, he wasn't really in control. Cause it wasn't a movie. It was a, it was a right. band now. Yeah. So he was never really in control of that. So yeah, that it, it just kept snowballing from there. Um, once those, uh, that first band or that version that played the PB Kelly's was just sort of a, just a temporary bunch of temps right. put in place. And then for the hello album, that's when Dave went out and recruited a, um, proper band you know real permanent lineup and that was steve douglas rob Mosby, uh mike bishop and Dewey the and uh that became the first official lineup of choir in 87 i guess it was 87. and yeah i think it was 87 late 87 and then you know and then we did the album in new york with uh kramer and uh shimmy disc and um and then ever since then, it's just basically been, you know, piecemeal people coming, people going, you know, people added, people dropped. So that's where that's at, was, cool. is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You guys have had a ton of different members over the years.
0: Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah.
2: It's amazing how, how Guar has been able to keep like the whole thing together essentially through. You know, I got you know un- a countless amount of people coming through. They've managed to keep it relatively the same, even with deaths and stuff like that happening.
0: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. it just keeps limping along. Everybody inside and out, we're always like wondering when's this going to end. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. The legend, the legend <laughs> will never end.
0: Die anytime soon? You know? <laughs> it just won't die all at once. It doesn't <laughs> die one at a time. <laughs> Not enough to make a difference.
1: <laughs> How was the sleazy P. Martini character created? Like, what were some of the influences behind that?
0: Well, um, initially, it was just kind of like a, a real thrown together character. that was supposed to be a manager. I'm more or less think it was sort of a Dave Brocky idea, for, or was it Hunter Jackson? Because you know he kind of this stuff gets thrashed out and kind of brainstorms and during comic book sessions. And, um, but initially the character was played by Michael Moore. That only did that once. And that, that, that didn't have a great result. And, um, guy named Tim was the second, uh, and and they were both not sleazy P Martini. They were called sluggo P Martini. Okay. So initially the name was sluggo P Martini. And then we decided, well, we'll bring the character back one more time. And I was hankering to get on stage any way I could. Be an artist and so uh, I, I decided to do it and um, I renamed the character Sleazy instead of Sluggo. Yeah. initially I, uh, I played him like kind of like just the disco douchebags I remember back in Northern Virginia <laughs> it was more or less modeled that hair was modeled after cops I remember getting pulled over by in uh, in, in Northern Virginia I remember getting pulled over by one cop and you know, they asking you that all those kind of redundant insult. you yeah. know, those those questions that are meant to insult you, kind of, you know, like, yeah. get off on that, treating you like a child, you know, yeah. you, you know why I pulled you over? <laughs> and, uh, you know, shit like that. But anyways, the whole time he was talking to me, I remember looking at him going, Jesus Christ, there's 50,000 hairs growing out of his head, and I don't think it's. I don't think a si- single one of them crosses another. You know? Yeah. How do you do that? How do you spend that much time on your hair where you got it so that not a fucking single one of them crosses another? It looked like they were all was like drawn on or something like that. <laughs> I never thought that. That, was, okay, that stuck in my mind. So, you know, a combination of that and um, me doing a, probably what was a bad imitation of Sylvester Stallone. Like this is this is, you know, this way
2: hey, drew hey, hey, Adrian.
0: <laughs> that was my idea of, of a northeasterner, you know, some kind yeah. of Italian cheese ball, <laughs> you know, and um i that was my yeah that was my, my stupid concept of one, but um you know it slowly the accent flattened out, it thinned out, and um it just became a kind of a generic northeastern. But uh, it, it was influenced by a lot, a lot of a lot of my brother, our drummer, Rob Mosby, uh Tony Clifton. Right, yeah, that that's
1: that's one that it reminds me of a lot, like to, the Tony Clifton character. Yeah.
0: You know, somebody pointed that out, I didn't even realize it because that he just kind of was gone from my head. I would just remember him as being a product of the seventies right. as well, yeah. you know, with Kaufman and whatnot. Probably the early eighties too. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just, you know, cause he came and went and then I just, just didn't remember until somebody brought it up and then I thought, wow, you're right. I'm sure that was <laughs> yeah. definitely uh, one of many in the fonz and who knows, you know, yeah. it's just a fucking bunch of, a bunch of mob douchebags, yeah. you know, all piled into one guy kind of, you know, right. and
2: that's more or less. it's like the ultimate manager. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and we ran into those guys later on too, even when we were in the biz. So, you know, I remember I forgot who his name was. He was big time. And that was when some larger names were flirting with us and he had a fucking like a six or eight foot by eight foot portrait of himself behind. his. <laughs>
2: yep. Got to do that. Got to do that. That's so fun. And
0: so I do it. I do it on my yeah, show I now. Yeah. No, that's, that's yeah, what, yeah, that's, yeah, like, you know, I just throw pictures of myself all behind me. Like in case I forget what I look like. There I am. I that's, know. That's
2: what got me hooked, man. I turned it on and I saw the portrait behind you and I was like, yep, this is for me.
0: No. Okay. <laughs> That was easy.
2: Yeah. That's all the huh? Yep. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's more or less it. I, I jumped on stage and kept evolving the character. Danielle Stamp, uh, master Hyman, though, played a big part in helping kind of evolve that. Oh, really? Too. Okay. She was going to push me into vinyl. I used to go out and I would just go, hey, I'll just go to um, thrift stores, yeah. you know, because 70s leisure suits are, were idiots oh, yeah. and they were all over the place, especially if you're in an urban type city like that's urban, you get the code, a <laughs> uh, city like Richmond, Virginia, <laughs> where that sort of really horrendous looking clothes was very commonplace in thrift stores and very cheap. So I just go out and get one, and just it'd get destroyed. And, and then, you know, it cost nothing to go and get another one, yeah. you know. But uh, the switch to vinyl was her idea. That boat upholstery uh, vinyl that everybody knows to be kind of the signature look, that plastic look was, hanging you know, She she, she was going to push that. <laughs>
2: it's
0: a great yacht
2: rock look. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, mm.
1: I love watching your um, Q&A every week, the live stream from the bunker.
0: Uh uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. But with the vinyl, it's <laughs> it's just like every time you move, it's like. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Cracks me up, man. Somebody, I love it so
0: much. somebody parting on the couch just nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: who were um like the, the whole background of Guar, like the whole like, you know, Sleazy found them in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Like who came up with all those background stories of the characters and all that stuff? Is it do they kind of evolve along the way or was that kind of
0: early on, it was an amalgamation of, of Hunter Jackson, Dave Brocky. So Hunter had this idea they were all from outer space, and Dave had this idea that they were uh, thawed out from Antarctica. So you know, and this is typical a lot of the way core stuff was done. Um, they came up with, well, hey, we'll say they're from outer space, but they were frozen <laughs> in Antarctica. <laughs> you know, so we can have it both ways. You know, everybody gets the gets their uh, contribution in. So, yeah, that was more or less Dave The hunter had he because he was doing the scum dogs of the universe, man. right they were supposed to be space pirates now yeah, were road warriors in space, like I said before, and um you know Dave wanted to make them into this this you know this rock band you know this this barbarian space barbarian this rock band and that's that's pretty much what happened. It was just amalgamation stick two together, which is cool it makes you know um sometimes stories lack. Any kind of real layers or complexity, like as the English say, "too on the news," yeah, you know, right. <laughs> just like there, there's there can be a predictability to things. You know, when you watch those movies and you know how they're going to end, or you're five minutes in, I'm like, "Oh, that's the love interest. That's the that's the bad guy. Uh, this is the way it's going to end." So on so. So you know, as long as we have all these people, like more or less artists and uh, creators who are kind of arguing. Uh, in conflict with each other, trying to shoehorn their concepts in with all the other concepts. It creates what I feel like is more like typical storytelling in the old days, shall we say, fable and myth-making. You know how fable and myth-making, that, that clear-cut yeah. character drawing. Truly noble and brave, they were all. They were. They had all these flaws. They're all fucked up. Achilles, you know, he had issues and all these, all these mythological characters. I think that's because maybe because storytelling and through retelling, people add in stuff that uh, maybe wasn't there before. I mean, like if it comes out of one mind, maybe it's all too streamlined and too cut and dried. But if you if 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 it's a lot of people throwing in stuff, it has a tendency to uh, take things in kind of uh, unexpected directions. Right. That kind of what's what Guar feels like, because you know uh, you had a bunch of people involved with it. You know, one of the things about Guar was that almost everybody had kind of a different idea what Guar was supposed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it was it was it was kind of like. Everybody has a slightly different version, you know, both artistically, conceptually, story canon wise, whatever you want to call it. All had kind of like little different kind of ideas of what Quar was supposed to be like, what it was supposed to be.
2: Well, it worked out pretty well because it's still going, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, but we're not rich.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you guys have like a few chances to like, uh, maybe I, maybe chances is the wrong word, but like opportunities, maybe to like, Get onto some of those bigger labels at some point in time, but decided not to because you
0: were no, no, it was more along the lines of just bad choices and uh missed opportunities due to not being well, chance favors the prepared mind. You've heard that.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: So for instance, we were on our way up and we were, you know, if you think of you think of the music industry as uh, as baseball and baseball leagues. You got the majors, yeah. You got triple A, double A, single A, and so forth, and uh, you work your way up, right? Yep. You know, that shows some promise. You're picked up. You're in a somebody single A farm league, and, and you know you get moved up to whatever. And so I would say, what is it, disc is Definitely single A. You know, as far as <laughs> and then we got moved over to metal blade and i would call that double a you know and uh while we we're there um now they're uh i think they're distributed ultimately by warner they're affiliated through warner but anyways we're on with uh we're in a warner affiliate now because of metal blade having uh, been picked up by warner been associated distributed through warner and so um toilet earth uh, we get moved up to to priority records. Well, now we're triple A, you know. Now we're getting that much closer. The dream is coming, you know. And uh, so they we do Toilet Earth, and um, and uh, so they talk to us about one of the songs on this uh, record. It's like, hey, oh. you know, this, this baby dick yep, book, yeah, problematic, you know. Uh, maybe, maybe you think you'd want to take it off, you know, and. Dave's like, no, oh, artistic Well, yeah. um, you know, so like, it can be pretty convincing, and I go along with that. It's like, um, I'm in favor of being uh, freedom, uh, artistic freedom, and whatnot, and not compromising and stuff like that. Well, I'm picturing it from the point of view of. You know, uh, PMRC trying to shut us down, and and the religious right, you know, mm. coming after us, which they were kind of making a lot of noise at the time. And but that never happened. That never happened. So we refuse. They print seventy thousand. They seventy thousand albums ordered. We chart. We chart on Billboard Top Two Hundred, mm-hmm. which you know, considering you're a rock act oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. it's all oh, i mean god how many how many bands are in america right now
2: with a record <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot <laughs>
0: two million yeah you know maybe more and, oh, you make it 200 what are you you in the you're in the what 0.1 oh hell yeah for sure
2: yep, yep. yeah easily
0: well so, you know i think back now on that like that was rarefied air, and so we had a lot. We were real excited, so we shipped seventy thousand copies. We're now charting to one sixty eight as in our debut. All excited, almost as quickly, forty thousand records come right back. Walmart tells us, "Uh, yeah, mm, baby, dick fuck. No, thank you. Um, we're not interested." And and so it wasn't. It never became a. It was never a, uh, you know, we never able to hold this kind of like sacred ground of artistic integrity, right. you know, because it was just a pure financial. So it's like a uh, Walmart, we're Walmart. We're not, we're not carrying a pedophilia <laughs> in song in our, uh, you know, in our, at our store. Sorry, it's not going to happen. So it wasn't, it wasn't like there was even a choice. Yeah. You can't argue with a war, you know, you know. You, you can argue with Walmart all you want; they're just not stupid. They're not going to put that record in their store. So when you do that, forty thousand come back. Boom! We drop right off the charts. And uh, I think at that point, Priority and Warner Brothers go, "Oh, well, these guys are uh, different, and they're um, they're like uh, shall we say they're." they, they get noticed they're provocative. Yeah. Let's put it that way. They're provocative, but they don't want to play. They don't play ball. Mm-hmm. They're not, they don't play ball. And they, you know, and if you're not, if you're not cranking out something that's so good that it overcomes that, then it's really easy to just kind of walk away and go, eh, hey, good luck, no interest. And so, you know, from then on, we just stayed at that mid tier, that double A level from then on. And, yeah. um, the majors never showed really any interest in, uh, in that. And that's, that of course is a big, big reason why bands, um, go on. Of course, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of it is talent and the music itself. I mean, a lot of it also really is just to label themselves, what they push and what they don't push, what they emphasize, what they don't emphasize, you know? I mean, look at the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be honest. Be honest. Is there anything remarkable about that music? Doesn't that remind you of old Hooskerdoo? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yep. a
0: Hoosker Hooskerdoo, but for some reason, you know, you get the feeling like, hey, you look the other way about that Courtney Love Kurt Cobain thing, and um, you know, we'll help you out. sure, you'll be okay.
2: No, it's it's totally true. Like, there's like three or four Foo Fighter songs out there. And maybe a little bit more than that that I hear, and I'm like, oh, that's a good song, but like the rest of it is is um, it's generic.
0: I. Uh, it's not only generic; it was dated yeah. when they hit. Yeah, it was already dated when they hit. You know. No,
2: um, no, you're right. They're riding the 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 money train, I guess, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Important people said, "Yeah, Foo Fighters, yep. push them."
2: Yep, this is this is what people are going to hear and pay for.
0: Mhm and you know when you sit there and you you're you're like hearing them in you know during sports sports shows and thrown in in commercials and all these different places it's it's just popping up where you know cuz it's it's not like it's not like uh, rock and roll especially metal punk alternative rock it's not like there that it, 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 there was a ton of room for airplay anyways you know uh it was already kind of dying out by the time by the two thousands had come around. It was just like, you know, I, I know that I know that metal bands were already feeling the hurt. Between between the between the file sharing destroying the record industry and uh, the fact that basically I think, you know, metal is grandpa's mu- music now. Look at us. Yeah. Look <laughs> at you, you're your beard. Look at me. Yeah, Look yeah. At me. I'm you know, um, I I see war shows, and um, you know those guys come up to me and say, "Man, I saw you the first time when I was 17 back in 1989. You changed my life." <laughs> 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 and I look at them, and I can see that they're, uh, you know, they hang drywall for a living, and they're in their mid 40s, still going going to heavy metal shows. And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> your life, huh?" Okay. <laughs> Hopefully get better. Uh, but so so you know, I mean it's just it's just the way it is, but um what the hell? I got on a kind of a Donnie Downer diatribe there, man, about <laughs> metal metal dying out. But, you know, be realistic. It, it is kind of like it is one of the subjects that you can talk about actually how
2: I talked about it last week actually with our guest his In the 1950s, how they were, you know, the powers that be were trying to kill rock and roll. And you had like the pirate radio stuff off the like literal pirate radio stuff off the shore of England and stuff. Mm -hmm. They have slowly over the last 70 years been successful in killing rock and roll in the mainstream music industry. Like if you Mm -hmm. want good rock and roll, a.k.a. like metal and punk, you have to go into, as you were saying, like the triple A world and the double A world.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and hey, let's not forget rap had a major part in kind of reducing uh, metal, right. punk, rock's influence in- so.
2: Yeah, a lot, a lot of the rap, like they, I mean, even within their own genre, like there's a lot of really fucking cool hip hop out in the world, but like the rap has overtaken that in the mainstream industry, and a lot of the mainstream rap isn't that great, but people eat it yeah. up like it's fucking cereal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, we know how it's, it, it goes in these cycles and uh, it's back at that cycle now where it's, it's, it's factory made. The, 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 the pop music is primarily factory made. It's, we used to, you know, one of the breakthroughs, that's what it used to be in the old days. Right. Tin pan alley. You know, yeah. who wrote the monkey's hits? Yeah, That wasn't, yeah. that wasn't uh, Peter Pork. Nope. You know? no. That was uh Tin Pan Alley artists, you know, like Carol King and Neil Diamond writing that stuff. That hits for a bunch of people. Well, guess what? We're back to that now where basically like five Danish producers, Swedish producers are like cranking out all the top 40 hits yep. for America. And I don't think they actually record in the same place. I think they just sit there and they they they, they record the the basic tracks somewhere in, in America, in L.A. or whatever, and then they just send them. And he's like, "Oh, I will make this great," you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they throw their effects on it, you know. Um, <laughs> they probably send them, you know, the basic track. Uh, what is it? Uh, what what's supposed to be recorded? They just it's it's just fucking. It's um, totally, I don't know, formulaic. That's the word, I guess. It's just total yeah. formulaic, and that's and that's where we're at. So we're back there, yeah. back there. In the fifties, we had individual um, performers. We had real performers. We had Buddy Holly and Elvis Presley, and uh, you know Elvis Presley was the beginning of that. But Chuck Berry's and your all those guys, they um, they were recording the actual music that they con- conceived. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, and and then and then Paola came along, and they, they stomped that down. They they made it so it was more uh, top forty. So you you, you know your Pat Boone's and whatnot came out, and your uh, Fabians and stuff. That, that these guys had no talent; they were just they were just singers. And that's probably why the British came and kicked our ass in '64 because we had destroyed our own in you know our own indigenous um, music creation. You know, we had kind of squashed it. And so um some limey, you know, dressed his uh four lads and um yeah. <laughs> and they introduced basically they were the first boy band. Yeah. And they were supposed to introduce uh, androgyny in a in a digestible way. Yes, what's his name? Uh Little Richard. You know, he, he dabbled in that early on, but hey, he was black and you know, hmm. Right. Uh, little of white girls aren't that into that, but you know, uh, when some white guys came along, took those same falsetto, yeah. they, long hair, you know, uh, and introduced some androgyny with those uh, Savoy Row uh, gay fashions of London. That's what they were. Right. I mean, who the hell? Who the you know? You know, if you wore those go-go boots in '64, London. <laughs> <laughs> you get your ass kicked if you were in any normal part of the time you know that 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 crap can only work yeah. uh on stage you know but um that kicked the whole you know that kicked those doors back down again and then suddenly it was uncool for um it was uncool to be have a uh, factory made music you you wanted uh performer artists and performer artists became what was heavily recruited not not songwriters and performers as separate entities coming together for shit. And um, now we're back to that again. We're back to we're back to you know factory music. Yeah. And uh,
2: you're totally right. It's totally cyclical.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it'll happen again. Everybody will get fed up, and somebody somebody is just totally fresh and uh, un unpolished will just break out, and everybody will start imitating them. And, and, and then and who knows, you know, who knows? Who knows if music will even be around?
2: Yeah, yeah. no shit.
0: <laughs> you know, it'll be 3D with Odorama and, uh, you know.
2: Yeah, the virtual shows fucking suck my ass.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, I yeah. mean, it's
2: nice to at least see music, but fuck. Like, I don't want that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, what, did you see the Guar show there on the uh, day before Halloween? Uh, well, I've seen some clips of it, but like.
2: It's just, it's completely like, regardless of it's Guar or whoever the fuck else that I love, it's just completely unappealing to me to like,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. Even, I even for myself,
2: I don't. I don't want to play a virtual show, let alone watch one,
0: you know? Yeah. I'd rather just yeah. listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have no argument. We should have done, we, we blew it. We should have been doing drive in shows.
2: <laughs> yeah. That would be fucking be awesome. awesome.
0: Yeah. That uh, that's what somebody finally got the bright idea to do uh, you know, in October uh or November. And it, it, by then it was all the season was it was gone. It was too late, you know.
2: Yeah, because they're I mean they're they're doing it for fucking movies again. Like drive through movies are killing it right now. Wherever you know there are drive in theaters left in the country, they're killing it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people are entertainment starved, man. They want to get out of their house. Yeah, so. it's totally true.
1: Now let's take a quick break to mention our sponsor. This episode of Our Brain's Hurt is brought to you by Snubbed Coffee. If you like great coffee and punk rock, head over to punkrockjoe.com and get yourself caffeinated. You'll find gourmet coffee for sale, uh, punk rock music on CD and vinyl. We have uh, T-shirts, all sorts of merch, um, different types of coffee mugs. So if you're looking for a Christmas present, a last-minute idea, head over to punkrockjoe.com, and uh, if you use... Promo code BRAINS at checkout. You get 20% off your order. So punkrockjoe.com for some gourmet coffee. Coffee makes a great gift for friends and family. Punkrockjoe.com. Use promo code BRAINS at checkout for 20% off your order. And you, you are listening to the Sleazy P. Martini episode of Our Brains Hurt. So go over to YouTube and look up Sleazy P. Martini and subscribe to his YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch uh, Sleazy Pictures After Dark and also live from the bunker where sleazy p martini goes live every friday night and answers your questions and you could chat with him uh, right then and there. So go to youtube and find sleazy p martini and subscribe to his channel. Also check out hyperrealproductions.com. That's Hyper Real Productions with one r. Here you could find all sorts of sleazy p martini merch and guar related merch. There's um all sorts of cool stuff, t-shirts, posters, Figurines, which are handmade and hand-painted by Sleazy P. Martini. So if you're looking for some uh, Sleazy P. Martini merch or some Guar-related merch, head over to hyperrealproductions.com. And be sure to check out the show on all social media outlets at Our Brains Hurt. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Look us up at Our Brains Hurt and give us a follow. Now let's get back to the show. People who listen to this podcast already know kind of like what Guar is all about, but... There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Anywhere. There's just nothing like Guar. You know, I mean there's there are bands that kind of like try to to imitate it, but you know, I've got I've been to a couple of Guar shows since um Dave has passed away and uh, with Blothar as a singer. And it, it still seems to me to be pretty packed and mm-hmm. you know, the fans seems still seem to be really enthused. Yeah. But I think that speaks to that live show and I can't imagine like when you were coming up with Guar, how much of a pain in the ass was it to tour with that live show with the, with all of the props and everything like that? Like, how much of a pain in the ass was that to to kind of like deal with all that shit?
0: Uh we just made it work. Just made it work. Um, we would have, you know, it's not so much the size of the show, the amount of people that we were taking out on tour. I was like, I think right. at one point we had. I think we were touring with twenty one people, something wow. like that, and it's just like you can't make money with twenty one <laughs> yeah. people.
2: Yeah, no shit, you can't make money for five.
0: You can't. It's hard <laughs> enough. Yeah, I know. It's hard enough for five, yeah. and so uh, every every one of those people it's another mouth to eat. That's another freaking daily allowance. It's it's, it's insane, and um, that was just a kind of there was a sort of a. There was a stupid hey we won the lottery mentality whenever we would get a little money yeah. um advance from anything like labels or merchandise. and 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 we were then and in, in this meat-headed communist kind of concept too about you know basically everybody being paid the same you know that's it that works kind of for a while now somebody looks you know just like all communist systems right yeah. You got the 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 third that worked their ass off, right. the third that worked enough, and then you got the third that hardly work at all. Yep. And the third that works their ass off finally start looking around at the third that doesn't do hardly shit, and they get wonder why they're being basically they're getting the same, right. you know, okay yep. and they become disillusioned and disheartened and and frustrated and, and you know frustrated or whatever demoralized and and they eventually leave you know they eventually give yeah. it up um,
2: the hard workers go elsewhere and then the, the, system is, the systems just left with the medium and the shitty ones
0: mhm and so you know um, not to say that everybody left in Guar now is uh, lazy far from it um, but um you know, a lot of talented people left, a lot of talented mm-hmm. people left, um, and moved on for various reasons. It's just like, you know, at some point you said, this has been a great, this is super duper great, you know, uh, excellent adventure. But, um, I'm now closing in on 50 and, um, not me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> closing in on 50 and, uh, you know, you're just like, Right. Yeah, you know, like I, I I I gotta do other things, you know. I gotta I gotta have something, you know, of my own that I can rely on. Guar feels like it's about you know it feels like the wheels are gonna come off every year. Every year.
1: How involved is are you or Sleazy P. Martini in the current Guar um lineup compared to you know the nineties?
0: Oh uh, night and day. I don't even really – I hardly even concept with them anymore. I don't show up to meetings. Uh, I don't do meetings very much anymore. You know, Those days are gone. Giant art frat party that we would have that was just every night, which was a blast when we were at the giant studio in 2010 Chamberlain. Those days are gone. So it's just a lot more clinical, a lot more business, a lot more cut and dried, a lot more – Just stuff like that. And I don't tour, basically. I haven't, I, I I toured the last time I toured uh, to any large extent was 2008. Uh After that, I finally had a kid. And, um, I don't, I don't want to tour because I don't want to miss any of that. I mean, everybody's got a price. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, (laughs) you know, that number, I ain't nowhere near (laughs) that number. So, um, I, I, I'm just not, not going to. Not gonna. I to tell you the truth. I never really. I didn't like touring much. I liked meeting the fans. Yeah. Uh, the show was okay. It was just more of a stressful situation where you're like, because you're you're running in a million different directions, yeah. and you're trying to like, what's gonna what's gonna fail this time? Kind of right. fear, anxiety in your brain. You know, is this working? Is that working? Did I remember what to do? This, yeah. that, and the other. You know you're backstage you only come out you got five minutes you do your thing and then you're gone and then you know you're backstage running around Yeah, there's so
1: many moving parts to a guar show it's it's
0: crazy oh, yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Sp- speaking of that what does it take to book a guar tour like do you have to like have all these prerequisites with the clubs or like do you sure. go into blind yeah. with them sometimes and they're like oh my god i didn't know what i was getting myself into
0: no, no, we've been doing this a long time and we've been doing it with, uh, you know, what is it, Morris Agency, you know, Scott, what's his face? I can't remember his name. You know, he's been booking mm-hmm. our show. So, you know, people are familiar with the rider, you know, situation and, and the contract requirements. A lot of the same clubs over and over and over and over again. I mean, goddamn. Play the same club in Columbus, and the same big Agora in Cleveland, and the American Electric Factory in Philadelphia. I mean, it's always it's always these same clubs. So they're real familiar with us, yeah. you know. They're real familiar with us. They know what to expect most of the time. Or
2: would they expect you guys to clean up, or or how did that whole thing work?
0: No, we never cleaned up. That was never so. It was
2: basically the clubs who were like cool with the cleanup afterwards that you kept playing over and over and over again throughout the.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, please. most clubs, most clubs. I've, in fact, very rarely in America do any clubs have any issues with
2: clean up. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. Um, I think in a couple places in Europe, a couple times, we are caught off guard. And, <laughs> and, and they would put up a lot of plastic in some clubs, you know, to, to deal with it. But generally speaking, that would say, hey, that's your problem, man. I mean, what's the difference between uh, fake blood and beer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather deal with fake exactly. blood. It's just you know, food dye water. Beer stinks, you
2: know. <laughs> it was always kind of like this, like daydream of mine, to like see like a, a guar show where the club didn't know what they were getting themselves into, mm. <laughs> and then see like the aftermath of it.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, generally, you know, I, I just visually I remember, you know, because I'd be breaking down the show afterwards mm-hmm. and it's just always guys with br- scrub brushes and squeegees and they're just pushing busted up plastic beer cups and red food dye towards the middle of the <laughs> you know, floor and a lot of times there's a drain down there usually but not always you know crowd soaks up a lot of it. it's a good crowd sure, yeah. uh, crowd soaks up a lot of it or not most of it so
2: i may have soaked up a bunch of it myself at one time or another
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny the first time i went to a guar show with my friend uh tom who runs uh a punk rock record label with me he uh, we we were we're always like every time we go to guar show we're always like against the stage right up front and uh the first time we went we just got i mean obviously blasted with everything on the way home we went to 7-eleven to get like a fucking a big bite or some shitty hot dog (laughs) or whatever and i just remember the guy was like Staring at us like, you know, you guys okay? Like, what's going on? It's
0: like, no, we just got back from a choir show. (laughs) We just
2: just had our first kill. Thanks.
0: (laughs) No, we we did this show one time. uh, Well, this was early on when we first started. And, you know, we used to tour in a a school bus. Okay. You know, a big old school bus. And naturally it was all covered with graffiti, you know, because it already was painted by artists kind of nightmarish partridge family style. And then <laughs> and then of course when you, you bring it to, to uh, shows, a lot of the shows, it's like fans are gonna tag it as well, or, you know, and so, you know, we're we just did a show, I forgot where, and we're we're down south. So I think we're going, we're in North Carolina or South Carolina, whatever. And so typical after a show you play it then you get on the road you're driving it like trying to get out around 2 a.m you know you're on the road 2 3 a.m whatever and uh we didn't have there was no cleanup there was no no showers these were clubs that generally didn't have any showers or we didn't need to wash so we would be drenched you know we'd have all this food dye on us we would all be all red and grease paint on us still around the eyes and stuff we look like, um, well, we look like zombies, basically. And so, you know, we're torn and we, we pull off to go to a starving Marvin's, you know, somewhere in South Carolina, I remember. And we pull up. It's kind of secluded. So this, imagine this from the starving Marvin's point of view, right? You see a school bus from hell just covered <laughs> with horrendous, horrific graffiti. And what looks like, you know, it looks like it's probably inhabited by the Manson family. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you see twenty zombie, bloody covered zombie looking guys all pile <laughs> out and going straight towards your fast food place. You're the only guy in there, you know. It's two AM. Yeah. And um, yeah, sure enough, man, snap, snap, walk walk walk, you <laughs> know. We're like standing on the outside like, hey, we just want to get some to eat. <laughs> Fuck no. And uh, cops are called and stuff like that, you know. So I can understand. I get it. And uh, it's just like that's typical. It's like so many times we would uh, we would we, we, we look like that. And, uh, yeah, we get all kinds of looks ourselves. It, once you've been doing it for a while, you forget. You forget how weird you look. Yeah. You know, how out of place you are, um, you just become, you just take it for granted, you know, of looking like this all the time. So
1: were you guys ever banned from certain clubs or cities?
0: Uh, North Carolina. Oh really? Uh, that was, that was the famous, the Bible belt. <laughs> yeah. It was the famous Dave Bronchi phallus, uh, <laughs> oh. one. Oh, we did a show, we did a show in North Carolina and at the time we were, um, we had this character, Father Bohab, and he had a big rubber butt. And you know, we pull, we turn him upside down, pull his pants down, and shove all these things yeah. in his butt. Apparently, somebody got wind. I heard secondhand from somebody who did a friend of mine deep dived into the uh, the area. Apparently, it was kind of a rivalry being worked out between two club owners. Oh, really? So one kind of swatted the other. Okay. Apparently, one of them got swatted by the other. with the, screw with him and the technicality was it was i think you know it was some sort of 18 and above entertainment in a situation where alcohol where that was underage or you know all ages or something like that some sort of technicalities like that but anyways that trial ended up going to trial yeah the judge I you know so so they confiscate this you know the rubber cuttlefish at cthulhu penis <laughs> <laughs> they take Dave Rocky in to be processed. Well, later on, we have to, sh- you know, they had the court case months later, and uh, I shit you not, the judge assigned to the trial was name. His name was Richard Boner. <laughs> Get
2: the fuck out of here! Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't make this shit up.
0: No, you can't. And, and naturally, his reaction was, "Get this shit out of my court." <laughs> I don't want to go down. You know, you'll be national. You'll be national laughing stock. If you're Dickie Boner. Yeah. <laughs> and you're a kick over rubber penises. I mean, yeah, guys, get this shit out of my court. So, um, we won, you know, and, um, but they we were banned for a year from, from, from North Carolina anyways. for so now, uh, and then when England had no sense of humor. Yeah. So they they kind of like – they were trying to run around and get us banned from various clubs Uh, when came over. It was like basically, I don't know what, but the tabloid hype kind of backfired. It was like they had some big articles in something like The Sun or something like that. And it was almost like they were reporting the whole show as if it was reality. Yeah. Heads are decapitated, not mock decapitation. No, just the word decapitated, (laughs) like – you know, I'm sure most people were smart enough to know that's not what really happened. But just the fact that they, the way they couched it, it was like, it was like, it was all the satire, all the parody, all the, all that was kind of stripped out of it. And it just looked like it was just uh, Sex Pistols meets, uh, what's his name, uh, Gigi Allen yeah. you know, meets. Something else that's horrible, too, you know, all at once. So they just kind of like what was left of their religious right, you know, kind of kind of made a big stink about it and blocked us in a couple of clubs, I think. And um, but uh, that was an eye opener because I thought England would be more would be uh, less likely to do that than just about any place in the the world. I thought that uh, England would be more open. And as it turned out, kind of like the whole the whole touring europe kind of like changed my perceptions you know germans are always depicted as humorless but they love guar yeah. they get it <laughs> you can tell they're into they're into they're into cheese
1: yeah
0: you know they they understand and uh, enjoy good american cheese that's why they love baywatch yeah david hadmore <laughs> yeah he's a the god crowd. over there right. yeah they get it it's not that's not like they they don't get they don't it's not like they're missing the irony of course yeah. they get it and um you know so uh, england feel, felt like england and england and sweden which of course would make mis- make sense since they became like these, the home of, of all this dark metal death metal right. you know stuff uh england and uh, england and the norwegian countries or the uh the scandinavian countries they, they, too cool for school yeah mm, I, don't, I don't know i don't i don't get it mm. yeah I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stand back here and sniff disapprovingly at this uh parody of my right. beloved genre of music i believe i believe that's what you call pretentious right hey the most pretentious folks yeah. you've ever met yeah. in your life they, they think they're so down to earth but not.
1: it's funny we had yeah we had a, a joe queer from the queers on a couple weeks ago and he was mm-hmm. talking about you know touring in europe and uh russia and all this stuff and he was saying the same thing about the english crowd you know the, the English mm-hmm. crowd is the is the one place where they you know they think that they're so much smarter than all the Americans and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a it's a tougher crowd. So it's funny mm-hmm. that you guys, that you point that out as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. right. There, the, you can tell. You can look in their little slimy brains. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, what did what, what did anyone else think about this? <laughs> no, oh, then I know. <laughs> Metalheads heads in general have a tendency to, they take the genre too seriously because they wear it like a badge, yeah. you know, they wear it like a freaking badge, you're worried that it's going to die at any moment, you know, and they got, they're like Christians, you know, in the middle of deepest, dark, darkest Africa as missionaries, they carry carrying that cross on their shoulder, yeah. oh, you know, nobody else <laughs> likes us, but we don't give up, we'll never stop, yeah. you know. <laughs> Metal forever, you know, and um you know, yeah. Uh, and I handed you got to hand it to Guar. They kicked that fucking door wide. Yeah. They kicked it oh, yeah. wide open. How many mask bands are there now? Are they? Is Guar not the godfather of, get, of mask bands? To be,
2: gotta, of be. gotta be. Gotta be. it's not even no, close. I mean, not is even close.
0: It? I mean, even Kiss, even Kiss. And I'll tell you a great story about Kiss. Even KISS realized, hey, wait, maybe we dumped this shit too soon. Maybe we better get back to our roots. We did, a, we did a music seminar, a new music seminar. I think it was up in New York. And we'd do these conventions thinking you know, glad handing these fucking things would ha- help us. Of course, it was a stupid waste of time. But you got lots of free swag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dvds and dvds of bands you know you'll never fucking like but you got them for free so yeah. hey it's a big bag of it and you know other shit you know coasters yeah. t-shirts all kinds of shit but anyways so guess who we run into there's dave and uh slime master they're making the rounds in costume somebody else came across uh paul stanley and gene simmons nice. you know we were out there and um This is after they had dumped the, you know, they had gone, they had gone costumeless, you know, now for a while. They are still making that work. And so somebody said, hey, why doesn't, you know, Quar and Kiss, they could, let's get them take a picture together. Okay, hey, get in the same picture. (laughs) And, you know, there's Dave, he's making some big, big expression. And and Danielle literally, she's actually sticking her tongue out. (laughs) (laughs) Like that, you know, knowing damn well, like, she's paying homage, right. you know? She's with Kiss. She's paying homage. Right. Well, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons look like they just smelled shit, really? And They got this, you know, look in this picture like they're posing yeah. with us. So, you know, and then it wasn't short after. It's like, I, I, they must have realized. It's like, oh, wait, this is coming back, you right. know? The big show is, is back, you know? And, um you know guar kicked that door in for everybody and us even for kiss yeah. it's left it they left it prematurely yeah. they didn't trust their own they didn't trust their own aesthetics man you know i don't know who was behind that was that paul stanley or gene Simmons? probably paul stanley cuz he yeah. thought he was hotter without makeup yeah i'm sure Jim simmons didn't like being seen without makeup holy fuck
2: paul was the artist gene was the uh the merchandise whatever yeah. you want to call him, Yeah.
0: Yeah. B- and, businessman,
2: uh, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess. I mean, that guy slaps price tags on everything. He comes near and, um, pretty much, <laughs> you know, so, so that would make sense. I know that Gene had, he had a far fair amount of, did a fair amount of concepting as well. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, there's definitely, I, I think both of them had like both aspects inside them. One was just more, you know, mm-hmm. than the other.
0: Yeah, so yeah, that door got kicked in, and then I think I think that a lot of bands just decided. First of all, you know, you get that criticism when Guar in those days, like, well, I don't understand why you can't just play music. Isn't that enough? You know, why do you have to throw all this? You know, basically criticizing it for being gimmicky. Yeah. You know, yeah, like like as if it's to we did it to cover up the music or something like that. It's like, no, that was never, never, ever the idea at all. It was from the get go. It was a visual physical experience, you know, audience participation experience from the the very beginning conceptually, uh, was never about, wow, you sound like shit. You can't play guitar with the fuck. You know what? How about if we put a mask on them? That'd be a good idea. You know, so that was never it but um that kind of like and what it did was i think it took a while but slowly but surely i think a lot of metal realized it's okay it's okay yeah. to go out on a limb um conceptually yeah. you know now they all do now they're all ridiculous man it's like i'm the pope i'm a ghost i'm this <laughs> i'm that I'm, We've all got our stupid origin, you know, gimmick yeah. origins, you know, and whatnot. It's
2: like, <laughs> well, that's the yeah. thing with gimmick bands is like, that they're awesome because what gimmick band doesn't involve the audience? Mm-hmm. That's what gimmick bands do. They have their thing, but they always make the audience part of the show. Mm-hmm. I,
0: it, it, I, I didn't know that. I wasn't sure because how does how do other band gimmick bands make get the band uh, audience involved?
2: Uh, it's whether it's them like talking and joking around to you know the crowd and just having conversations with people like mm-hmm. in into like you know the same kind of stuff you you guys did which is like bring people up on stage and i mean you guys covered mm-hmm. them in blood and mm-hmm. uh, you know got eaten by the maggot and stuff wh- mm-hmm. which i did in 99 but uh <laughs> uh <laughs> that was super fun uh it's the same it's i don't know it's just on a different level it's not some i mean obviously there's exceptions to all all rules and some of the gimmick bands don't involve them
0: but no i'm not i'm not buying it dude sorry (laughs) we get band. we get the audience involved anybody everybody Mm -hmm. else more or less their concept of getting the audience involved is is singing and talking to Mm -hmm. them isn't that what all bands have done forever i mean that's 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 just entertainment right um a lot of other bands have uh uh um you know, I saw, for instance, Slayer, where they did their Rain and Blood tour and they started having blood. Yep. I saw one of those. Oh, shows, <laughs> no, there's, there's nothing like
2: War. No, 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 no. There's absolutely nothing like War. No. And when I say other you know, gimmicky bands try to get the audience involved, I don't mean like you guys. You guys are on another level. There's an attempt, I think, by other bands, but they don't get to it like you guys do.
0: It just raised the bar for everyone. And uh, I guess now, when you think about how many how many mask bands there are, and God, there must be like, hundreds, maybe, if not thousands. Maybe. Like I, I looked up on YouTube, I was like bouncing around on YouTube, and you come across some random. And they said the top forty-one mask bands of all time. And uh, yeah, Guar was ninth. Ninth? Who's, You're ninth. who's one? Ninth? <laughs> who's who's ahead of Guar? Right. We and, we started the whole thing and we're ninth, you know. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like the song goes. Uh, I'm the motherfucker who started this shit. Yeah. And this is the motherfucking thing I get, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. There's no arguing with Slipknot's popularity, right? There's no arguing with that. And I, I'm pretty sure that was number one. Seriously, you know. But oh, yeah, still, still to be ninth, I think it was. It was. Like, yeah. Did they
2: did that <laughs> list consider Kiss to be a masked band?
0: I don't think so. Okay, yeah. I, I don't consider them a masked band. Yeah, obviously.
2: they're face paint. I mean, it is different.
0: A face paint band. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> it, it's different.
0: We're both <laughs> face paint and a masked yeah. band. Yeah, so.
2: I mean, it's like it's like live. It's a living art experience.
0: That was what it was always about, you know. Um, that was the first show I saw, TV Kelly's, and the audience was a big part of that. Yeah. They were throwing styrofoam boulders into the audience. Claiming they were Antarctic glaciers. haha. <laughs> you know, we were just throwing that shit all over and busting it up and we were kowtowing to the freaking stage like brainwashed uh acolytes. Yeah. We got the humor right away. Instantaneously the audience and the band realized that this was this was the um we got it conceptually, what was going on, right? This relationship it's like the idea is that people have tended to t- treat uh, bands, members of bands, big-time rock bands, like gods. Right. So why not take the next step? Well, what if there were actual gods came down and tried to be a rock band? Yeah. You know, <laughs> would they, how would they react with God? How would they behave? You know, and of course Dave had a big part in playing that had that that whole anti-human contempt. You know that was the attitude that basically was, was what guar um uh, you know the way they they saw the audience you know and jokingly of course we love our we love our fans and right. probably one of the most accessible bands as far as our fans are concerned sure. yeah. around.
1: Yeah it's funny Matt and I, you know, we, we met a few years ago but we grew up in the same area and uh one of the things we talked about was how we've been to the same guar shows. Uh, without knowing each other, and one of them was when they you guys filmed a uh a video at the nine thirty club mm-hmm. and I remember like yeah, we all had to like lay down mm-hmm. at one point and all this stuff, and it was it's just really cool man i mean Guar is has just been like such a big part of my music life and um and I mean it's sound like a fanboy, but you know <laughs> <that's, She learned> <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> <laughs> but I love you, sleazy.
0: <laughs> I love you dude. Uh, Move along. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Uh, no, uh, no, I totally, uh, I totally get what you're, where you're coming from, and um, you know, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm a war fan too. I always felt like you know, yeah. in, a way, in a way, even there's something weird about being in that thing. Was that, that really the members of war? Are war fans, right? We can kind of like you have, you know, by being an alternate, having having an alternate entity uh, and then your normal entity uh personality yeah. you kind of have you can have an outside you can look at it from the outside see kind of like uh you know because sometimes sometimes you could see the show you know without even being in it you know right but uh always i was i was i was a uh, definitely uh, definitely feel like a Guar fan yeah. You know, so I can, I can relate, you know, it's a great thing about being in Guar and not, uh, not necessarily being recognizable is uh, being able to just walk around and hear people say shit.
1: Yeah.
0: and be a fly on the wall, yeah. criticism, praise could be anything. I remember, I remember going and in down into the lower half of, I guess it was the Roseland in New oh, York. There, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I went down, I was, I went to the, uh, one, uh, Merch booth, you know, and check things out, and I'm hearing these fans talking back and forth, and it's like, oh, that's totally lip synced I watched the bass play player; he, he wasn't playing that. Yeah, he wasn't playing that. There's no way, blah, blah, blah And I'm thinking to myself, like, wow. Ask yourself logically: Why would you lip sync to shitty music? Seriously, yeah, <laughs> we're lip syncing it. You know. Um that was uh I think that was an eighty eight okay. show. Real real early gotcha. on. We uh had uh made some interesting friends early on in those days. We were first breaking apparently, you know, one of them was a Debbie Harry. Nice and a Chris Stein, uh a Blondie yeah. happened to know Dewey Row. It would hang out with us and I think it was about bad possibly at that show, as a matter of fact, it was cool. like they were there for that. But um, you know. You run into all these uh, celebs yeah. all over the place, you know, on, on the way up.
1: Yeah, did you guys ever cross paths with the Ramones?
0: Uh, no. Uh, the only time was members of us cross paths the Ramones played in Richmond. Okay. Uh, Mike Delaney, the original, the original sex executioner. Yeah. He was the, executor, not right. the sex executioner, not the executioner. And um, and Cardinal Sin. He uh, he uh, he's always used to talk. So proudly, how he smoked a joint with D.D. Nice. Ramone. <laughs> <laughs> and these are the things that stay with you for life. Yeah. The little things, right? It's the little moments in, in, in rock, you know. So, you know, wow. for me, it's like uh, hanging out with Jello Biafra in yeah. uh, what is it, River City? That that place, Northern California. But we were at a sauna, and Mike Bishop pissed on the fucking sauna <laughs> you gotta have that steam the whole sauna with yeah.
2: pissy steam
0: stinky <laughs> urine steam <laughs> fall out, you know and um you know but there we are yeah. we're hanging out with Jill in the opera pissing on rocks and uh you, you remember it's those little things you know hanging out with uh wadi from um faith no nice. more Hanging out with him in LA, guys with Brewaria too. Waddy giving me the lowdown on how they're gonna rip you off. Hey, you're up and coming. Wait till you watch. You won't believe it. Remember when with that album went, what was it? Double Platinum? <laughs> the, one, uh, the one that had the flopping fish video. Oh, Everybody yeah.
2: remembers?
0: Yeah. At the peak of that, he said, I I I made 40 grand one year. <laughs> 40 grand. Yay! <laughs> I can do better working at, you know, a circuit city. You know, so, oh.
2: <laughs> they don't even hide it anymore. Nowadays. They just tell people straight up, Hey, uh, you're fucked. We're going to exploit you. Good luck.
0: <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're so desperate to make their money back because the business died. Yeah. They want a piece of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they want a slice of the touring. They want a slice of the merchant. They never did that before. That was left to the bands and and you know it was still was fucking tough to uh, to make it and 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 they, and they didn't they didn't touch the merch or the um, you know they didn't touch the merch and they didn't touch the the, the touring uh, of course now they want it all they yeah. want to wrap it all up in one big ball and uh, at this point you figure the um risk they have to take and the amount of investment to make you even Trying to stick out in this incredibly competitive, crazy,
2: over-saturated
0: market, you kind of can't blame them. Kinda can't blame them for doing it. You know, in this day and age, right now, um, there's never been a better time to be in a tour. You know, never been a better time to be. uh, It's it's never, but everybody's doing it. So. Yeah. You know, hey, I I could be I can be a global star. All I got to do is put something up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And it's true.
1: <laughs> what uh, what music do you listen to? Like, say you're in your car, what do you what do you, what do you put on the radio, or what do you what kind of th-
0: conservative talk radio? If I can get some, and then uh, after that, <laughs> uh, I listen to. I get mad. I just fucking get mad. I sit there and I listen to classic rock yeah. station because I don't really like anything else. So it's the least disliked thing I can find on my radio. Okay.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> And uh, I just tell them this story several times the last couple of weeks. It's like, I always remember when I was a college student and uh, XL one or two, they didn't, I don't think they called themselves classic rock at the time, but you know, it was classic right. rock at the time 80s and they had uh they had this countdown, the top three hundred rock songs of all time, you know. And I remember they were exactly all the songs you would expect. Right. And, I, and I, I remember them going through these songs, and I was going, "God, what a disappointment!" And. It was, they that was it they created a cart tape from that and they never got yeah. away from it never ever ever got away from it it just same 300 songs and they've been pounding that in my head for 30 right. years it's like radar love here we go whole lot of love and oh goodness gracious <laughs> i can't wait to hear that again and you know on and on yeah. and oh my god and it I'm like pounding my steering wheel. It's like, come on, you can play dead music. Just dig a little deeper. How about, you know, how about Stranglehold? Yeah, You know, that was kind of a hit. Just go back a little farther, you know, just damn. So, you know, uh, to be honest, um, I don't follow, I don't follow music yeah. unless I come across something by happenstance. I don't follow music. And um, let's face it. You know, I'm sure it's a way for you. You found, it. how often do you spend money on music nowadays? Honestly.
1: Not often. I mean, yeah, it's all streaming.
0: Exactly. You hit it kind of after 25, you know, after 25, I notice everybody's sort of like. Do
1: you want to see the last thing I bought?
0: Yeah. All there right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: the Guar 30th anniversary, uh, Scum Dogs of the Universe.
0: Nice. Uh, badass. That's, that's a good that's a good set, man. I mean, at least as far as the uh, what you get, it's cool. Oh hell
1: yeah, autographed the uh, picture. Yeah. Well, we we've been chatting for like ninety minutes now. We you know we we usually try to close things out by now, but I, I wanted to give you a chance to plug anything you wanted to plug. I know your YouTube well, channel. If
0: you, could, if you could plug my YouTube yeah. channel, primarily, Molly, that'd be great. I also uh, host horror movies. I I run horror movies uh, on on some of the Roku channels. I think OSI 74 on Roku is one of the places that runs my movies. You can go to my website at hyperrealproductions.com. Hyperreal with one R, not two. And uh, you can see all those movies there. Plus buy my fucking merchandise. You know, so there's lots of stuff for sale there. Guar-related and non-guar-related, sleazy-related mostly but um that's what i would plug uh the, the the youtube channel um people like it the live show my friend uh justin talked me into uh doing it and um i don't know why i didn't start sooner but it definitely helped me um sell more shit so
1: yeah, yeah and i'll add all those um the other links to everything at the at the oh, other podcast yeah be great Don, yeah, thank you so much. It's been it's been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, and
0: uh, where do you play this?
1: Um, I'll, I'll send you the link. I'll publish it on Wednesday. Um, I'll I'll send you the link ahead of time. Um, it's it's available on all streaming platforms.
0: So YouTube would be one of them, I assume.
1: Yeah, and I'll send you all the links. Okay, great. But um, but thanks so much, man, and and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year.
0: Okay, well, great being here, Ron. Nice meet you guys. Yeah. Thank you very
2: much, man. Nice meeting you.
0: All right.
1: Take care, man. Bye. Later. Bye. All right. Thanks for hanging out for another episode. Be sure to check out the official home of Sleazy P. Martini at HyperRealProductions.com. That's HyperRealProductions.com with one R. You'll find the link in the uh, podcast description. There's all sorts of great stuff there. uh, Guar-related and Sleazy P. Martini-related merchandise, T-shirts. You can get a personalized video from Sleazy P. Martini. He has awesome uh, handmade figurines and that he hand makes and paints. All sorts of great stuff. So for everything Sleazy P. Martini, check out Hyper Real Productions. And again, be sure to go to YouTube and find Sleazy P. Martini on YouTube. Or subscribe to his channel. He does uh Sleazy Pictures After Dark and he does a Q&A live in the bunker, live from the bunker every Friday night. You can get on there and talk to, uh, chat with them live. Check those two things out, hyperrealproductions.com for some Sleazy P. Martini merch and go to YouTube and find Sleazy P. Martini on YouTube. I'd like to say a thank you to our friend Jen out in LA. Um, she's the one who came up with our um, logo and our artwork for the podcast. and uh, She's also the voice you hear at the very beginning introducing the podcast um, she has a lot of cool uh, merch for sale as well at stupidradmerch.com slash gentois. That's J-E-N-T-R-O-I-S, stupidradmerch.com slash gentois. And also be sure to check out a zine that she's a part of, Crap Nation. You could find that on all social media channels at Crap Nation. It's a really cool um, old school Xerox style uh, punk rock zine. So uh, be sure to check out Crap Nation on all social media outlets. And as usual, we'd like to thank the Handsome Scoundrels for letting us use one of their songs as our podcast intro. So you could check them out. Really cool band from a uh, punk band from Mobile, Alabama. Check them out at thehandsomescoundrels.com. So thanks for hanging out. And uh, again, be sure to check us out on social media at Our Brains Hurt. Give us a follow. Uh, take care. Be safe this week. And we will talk to you next time.